Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us to our segment called Wednesday in the Word. Grateful to have you be with us on today. Thank you for your presence. Why don't we jump right into the Word of God so that we could make sure that we use, utilize all of our time that God has for us to focus on this subject matter again that we've been looking at called self-discipline. So I'm going to ask you to get your Bibles, get your Bibles in your hand and also your notepad. We might be able to take copious notes as we are going through our Bible study, our segment called Wednesday in the Word. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, if you will, chapter 1, verse um, 7, I want you to look there, if you will, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Here's what it says there in that particular passage of scripture. It says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. It's through the spirit, it's through the spirit. If you look at that again, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, gives us love, and self-discipline. It is, it's through the spirit that God gave us that enables you and I to be self-disciplined. From God's spirit, we get the power to be self-disciplined, which, which means that self-discipline then comes from God. If he gives us the power, um, to enable us to be self-disciplined, then that has to mean that self-discipline comes from God. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline, which means then that self-discipline comes from God. The question, however, is, how do we tap into that power, Pastor? How do we tap into that power and that strength? How do we develop Christian self-discipline and apply it in real life and in real time? How do we tap into that power and that strength and literally apply it in real life and in real time in order to produce self-discipline? Um, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, President um, Biden's nominee to the Supreme Court, demonstrated for the world the benefits of discipline and self-control. During a taxing marathon of questioning before the Senate Judiciary Committee, where the 22-member committee questioned her for nearly 24 hours in a total of over the course of two days, in that time, she never broke stride. She showed remarkable poise, unflappable grace, and much discipline amid the barrage of attacks to discredit her capability and her personhood. She was resilient in the face of scurrilous and misleading questions that were designed to damage her reputation and malign her character before the world. From the thought of critical race theory, they questioned her about guns, abortion, gender, transgender athletes, as well as a proposal to add seats to the Supreme Court justice. 
They accused her, among other things, of being soft on crime, especially among child pornography and pedophiles. But her even-handed temperament, despite the shameful antics deployed to derail her, became a testimony of her faith and she tapped into, or rather as she tapped into the power of God's spirit to demonstrate self-discipline and self-control. And because she maintained her discipline and self-control, Judge Jackson is the first black woman to sit on the nation's highest court. Her appointment will also mark the first time four women will serve at the same time and bring the support, the Supreme Court, um, the closest to gender parity it has ever had. Without self-discipline, you all, without self-discipline, success is impossible. I'll say this again to you. I hope it registers in your mind. Without self-discipline, success is impossible. Uh, let me also tell you this. The best view comes after the hardest climb. You can mark that down. The best view comes after the hardest climb. So pastor, how do we tap into the power of God to develop our discipline? First, as we discussed last week, you have to set your goals and commit it to God. We discovered that the Bible teaches against two extremes regarding goals. Here's number one. Number one, never setting goals. Bible teaches against it about us never setting goals. But then number two is setting goals with no thought of God. No thought of God. I reference for you all as I was teaching that particular piece on last week, Philippians chapter three, verses 12 through 14. And then that Paul helps us to see the logistics of goal setting, goal setting. Maybe you ought to hold on to this too. Let me just give this to you. Discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishments. Discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishments. All right. The second way we discussed last week that we could tap into the power of God's spirit in order to develop discipline is to stop procrastinating and get started. That's what I gave you last week. Now, the definition of procrastination is willfully delaying the doing of something that should be done. It's willfully delaying the doing of something that should be done. We looked at multiple scriptures that helped us to see that procrastination is the thief of time. We looked at multiple scriptures that helped us to identify the idea that procrastination is the thief of time. We looked at Proverbs 14, 23. We looked at Proverbs 27 and 1. We looked at Luke 12 and 35, Luke 12, verse 35. We looked at John chapter 9, verse 4. And finally, we looked at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 16. All right. Now, here's the third thing is where I want to start today. The third thing we need to do in order to tap into the power of God to develop self-discipline. Here it is, is be willing to do 
the necessary work. I want you to make sure you log that in, in your, on your notes. I, in order for us to do this, you all, in order for us to tap into the power of God, to develop self-discipline, we must be willing to do the necessary work. You won't always be motivated. <laughs> I'll say it again. You won't always be motivated. You must learn to be disciplined, however. Self-discipline requires work, hard work, I might add, which is the one thing we don't like and we try to avoid at some point or another. But I need you all to know this. God didn't give you and I a pass on hard work. He gave us, however, his Holy Spirit to help us do the work so that it wouldn't seem as hard. How many times have we said, I'm tired. I want to quit. I can't make it. It's not working. This is hard. Or I want to do this. I want to do this. You know, we, we, all, we all have days and have had days where we didn't want to put in the work. We want the goal. We want the product, but not the process. Mm. Let me do that again. We, we want the product, but not the process. We just don't want to go through any difficulty to get to where we're trying to go. Now, hear me. If self-discipline feels difficult, then you're doing it wrong. Mm. If it feels difficult, then you're doing it wrong. See, the Bible tells us that we should be like the ants. A-N-T-S. Wait, wait, what? What, what did you say, Pastor? Ants. A-N-T-S. That's what I said. Yep. Ants. A-N-T-S. Whether you know this or not, they might be annoying to you, but ants work hard. Please put this in your notes. I said they work hard. Ants, A-N-T-S, work hard. Let me show you this passage of scripture in um, Proverbs chapter 6. And I want you to look at verse 6, 6 through 8, if you will. In Proverbs 6, verse 6 through 8. It says this, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Y'all ants are hard workers and we ought to be also. As believers, as believers, we are, we're to work at whatever we're doing as if we are serving the Lord himself. Now, Solomon, the writer of Proverbs, applauds the ants for their initiative and diligence. He, he notes that even though they have no supervisor, <laughs> they work harder than some people who have someone overseeing their work. When the author says, go to the ant, you slugger, that was Solomon's way of imploring the persons who wants to avoid the necessary work to develop discipline, to consider the virtues demonstrated by the ant colony. Ants possess instinctive motivation and discipline that we can develop through wisdom. 
The ant doesn't labor just for the sake of staying busy. They have a prudent expectation of future needs. Okay, I want you to flip over if you don't mind. You're already in Proverbs 6. I want you to look at Proverbs. Skip, go over to Proverbs 30, verse 25. In Proverbs 30, verse 25, Solomon there describes the ants as small and frail, but wise creatures. I want you to see this. He describes the ants as small and frail, but wise creatures. Watch what the verse says there, the verse, watch what it says there, you all. The verse says they aren't strong, but they store up food all summer. (laughs) They gather and stockpile food in the summer months of plenty, so they will have enough to make it through the winter. Look, look at Proverbs 20 and 4, if you will. Go back for a few, to, to a couple of chapters. Go back to Proverbs 20, verse 4. It says, those too lazy to plow, those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. Hard work combined with discipline and forethought equals true wisdom. Hard work combined with discipline and forethought equals true wisdom. Yeah, we'll we'll face some of the same circumstances, same challenges and struggles that non-believers do, but we will go through it differently simply because of our God. Our hard work doesn't have to come with stress and anxiety and doubt and worry and fear and frustration. Yes, We will work our butts off, but we'll do it with hope, peace, and joy, and strength. Here's why. Because God's spirit is within us. If self-discipline feels difficult, then you're doing it wrong. We have the spirit of God within us to help us do the work of being self-disciplined. Okay, let's look at another um, great example in the New Testament of true self-discipline that's written by Paul. I want you to see this. Now, I had you in the in the Old Testament in Proverbs, but now I want to take you over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, because I want to show it to you that this is, this is not just in, in, in Old Testament, but this is also in the New Testament. If you look there, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, this is what it says. Do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. There, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Let let, let me share with you a couple of things, you all. A self-discipline, a self-disciplined believer is never in the race just to be there. They're they're not in the race just to be there. I want you to get this. A self-disciplined believer 
is never in the race just to be there. They are always in it to compete for the goal or the prize. All right. They're, they're there to compete for it. That's number one. Here's number two. Number two is they go into strict training. They're tough on themselves. They're tough on themselves. They go into strict training and they become tough on themselves. Here's number three. It's ultimately always working for God. It is ultimately always working for God. Everything they do is done for his glory. But here's number four. Number four is they beat their body into subjection. They don't easily give in to temptations or give up when things get tough. Ah, I want you all to see this. They don't do this when things get tough. They keep going. Okay. So, hey, pastor, um, here's what we need to do, you all. What we need to do is understand is that we've got to be willing to do the necessary work. We've got to be willing to do the necessary work. The fourth thing, the fourth thing, the fourth thing we need to do in order to tap into um, the power of God to develop self-discipline is eliminate and avoid distractions. I, I need to give you time to put that down in your notes. That's very important. I need you to eliminate and avoid distractions. In, in other words, I need you to remove all temptations. I want you to remove temptations. Okay. We've got to number four, eliminate and avoid distractions, eliminate and avoid distractions. I want you to remove all, remove every temptation. In, in your journey to become more self-disciplined, in your journey to become more self-disciplined, it is essential to identify anything that may be a distraction or hindrance to you accomplishing your goal. Now, I want you to flip over for me for a few moments. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I want you to look at Hebrews 12, verse 1. Look at Hebrews 12, verse number 1. Here's what it says. It says to us, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, if you look at that verse, that same verse in the King James Version, it uses the word beset us, beset us, beset us. Okay. Um, in, in the, the version that I use in IV, it uses the word entangles us in the King James. It uses the word besets us in the contemporary English version. It says it like this sin that just won't let go. Now I do need you to know that the Greek word used, the Greek word used in verse one of Hebrews, it means for entangled, it means easily ensnaring. That's what it means in the, in the, in the, in the Greek. It means easily ensnared. Okay. Easily ensnaring. Now there, there are some things that, that easily ensnares us that requires us to eliminate them. If you, if you're going to run a race, how do you prepare? If you go and run a race, how do you prepare? First, you lay the weight aside. Notice, notice athletes, notice athletes, they run 
in very light clothing. The less weight, the better. One thing you'll never see is someone in the Olympics running in an overcoat. You just don't wear an overcoat when you're running a race. Athletes get as light as they possibly can. We have to lay aside every weight, every weight. Now, the Greek word for weight doesn't mean something sinful. No, it just means something that burdens you, that holds you down. There, there are some things that we're going through that we're wrestling with that are not bad in and of themselves. There's nothing wrong with an overcoat. You just don't wear an overcoat when you're running a race. P Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, if you will, Paul says this to us. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. Look at it again. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. Now, I need you to know, it, it, it may be some recreational habit that you have. It may be some acquaintance um, that you, in fact, are associated with. It may be some hobby, may, maybe too much television or too much sleep. Here's what Paul's saying, y'all. Paul's saying some things may be lawful for you. Some things may be lawful for me, but it if it is not expedient, then if it doesn't help me with my course, I've got to lay it aside. Mm. If it's not expedient, if it doesn't, doesn't speed me on my course, then I need to lay it aside and leave it alone. Listen, I need you all to know this and put this in your notes. Good things can become bad things. Just go ahead and put it in your notes. I want you to hold on to that. Good things become bad things when they keep you from the best thing. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I want you to write this down. Please put this in your notes. Good things become bad things when they keep you from the best things. I, I need to say it again. I'm sorry. I, I'm trying to get past this, but it, I just need to make sure you're getting this. Good things become bad things when they keep you from the best things. Whatever it is, whatever it is, if you want to win the race, lay it aside. Would you help me, please? Just go ahead and put that. Lay it aside. I'll say it again. Lay it aside. Let me tell you what discipline is, y'all. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. <laughs> Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Once you identify what your distractions are, start by eliminating or at least avoiding the ones that you can. Okay, let me see if I can make this real. Um, if, if, your, if your goal is to lose weight, you may need to go into the kitchen or the pantry and start eliminating all of the junk food if you're distracted by TV, you might need to unplug it for a minute. You might need to disconnect your cable service. Okay, how about this? if certain people or places are distraction, avoid them. You might need to use the mechanism of blocking them. You might need to block some people.
Let me tell you what research has shown. Research has proven that our environment, our environment affects our choices. There was um, some research that was done at Cornell University. And the study found that women who kept soft drinks on their counter weighed 24 to 26 pounds more than those who didn't. And those who kept a box of cereal on their counter weighed an average of 20 more pounds than those who didn't. Watch this. And those who kept fruit on their counter weighed an average of 13 pounds less. So if you want to eat better, put the junk food out of sight. Better yet, don't even bring it into the house, the office, the car, or in your environment. If you want to get some work done, and if you want to get more work done, turn off your instant messenger, close down notifications from social media, and put your phone away. If you work from home and are easily distracted, Go somewhere to focus. We have to remove the temptations in our environment. Your environment can be stronger than your discipline. That's why we have to eliminate. We've got to change our environment until we build our discipline to the point that we can have what's in the environment and still accomplish what our goals are. Listen, I, I, I gotta go. This, I've kept you long enough, but let me just give you the fifth thing, uh, and I, I'll unpack it next week. The fifth thing that we need to do in order to tap into the power of God to develop self-discipline is to track your progress and reward yourself accordingly. There it is. You ought to track your process and reward yourself accordingly. All right. Listen, let me thank you for your time. I appreciate you being with me on today. Thank you for giving unto me your undivided attention that I might walk you through this idea of being self-disciplined because what I'm attempting to do is to help us to literally tap into the Holy Spirit that's available to us because we're believers and use that spirit to literally develop self-discipline and become more successful, more productive, even in our lives. Now, let me thank you. I appreciate you. Stay tuned to the next week. If the Lord delays his coming, I'm going to be right back here, same station, doing the same thing. I want to walk you through what's the next step for us, Pastor. Practically, if we're going to tap into the power and strength of God, that we might be able to develop self-discipline.